one of the very first researchers on leadership charisma had really kind of focused and his name was RJ House. And he had talked about leadership charisma really early on, many years ago. And how he described a charismatic leader was this, leaders who by the force of their personal abilities are capable of having a profound and extraordinary effect on their followers. And the foundation was an emotional connection. I'm Janet Ioli, and you're listening to Power Presence Academy, practical wisdom for leaders. If you're looking for leadership mentoring, advice, or just a dose of inspiration, I've got you covered. Join me as I share leadership tips and lessons of experience from experts and from executives at the top of their game. This is your go-to place for all things leadership. It doesn't have to be lonely at the top. Let's go. I know we all have been in the presence of a leader who just walks in a room and everyone is drawn to the person as soon as they start talking. I'm not talking today about how someone looks, but I'm talking about a personal magnetism that just draws us in. We often refer to it as charisma. And we know it when we see it, when someone has this charismatic personality that just draws us to them. Do you wonder how some people just seem to naturally and magically get others to pay attention to them like that? Like them, trust them. And it's all based on just their personality and the way they come across. Do you wish you were more charismatic? So let's talk about charisma. In today's episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about charisma, leadership charisma specifically, and whether it can be learned or whether it's something just innate that people have. The word charisma, let's start from the beginning. The word charisma comes from the Greek word charisma. And trust me, that's how you pronounce it because I grew up in Greece, charisma, which means gift from the gods. So often we think it's this elusive quality that you either are born with or you're not. And so somebody just has this natural gift of charisma. But what we think is this elusive magical gift is actually something that research tells us can be learned. While there's much research out there on the topic of charisma and how to cultivate it, a study of leadership charisma at the University of Lausanne in Switzerland by three professors there, and they actually did a study and their question was, can charisma be taught? Breaks down leadership charisma into specific verbal and nonverbal behavior, which they called charismatic leadership tactics or CLT that we all can learn to employ and use. And that was what was causing someone to be seen as charismatic because they were using these verbal and nonverbal behaviors, these leaders. So what you say and how you say it are critical to these tactics. 
And one of the very first researchers on leadership charisma had really kind of focused, and his name was R.J. House. And he had talked about leadership charisma really early on, many years ago. And how he described a charismatic leader was this, leaders who by the force of their personal abilities are capable of having a profound and extraordinary effect on their followers. And the foundation was an emotional connection. So remember that as we go through this. So in today's episode, what I want to do is I want to walk you through what these charismatic leadership tactics are and the nine verbal strategies and the three nonverbal strategies that the researchers in Lausanne found made up charisma. And if we practice these things in our communication, we too can be more charismatic. Now, I want to tell you, at first I hesitated and I hesitated on whether to share this study because I, as soon as I hear the word tactics, I turn off. I worry about techniques and I worry about using techniques and tactics to inauthentically manipulate other people. And so that's when, you know, my bells go off and I start to think, eh, you know, do I want to do this? But here's what I know for sure. I know from working with so many clients in leadership positions over the years that many of us sincerely and authentically want to improve our communication with others. We want to continue to develop and grow. We want to increase our influence and we want to maximize our personal impact. So the tactics I'm going to share with you today from this article, from this research article, is in the spirit of continuous growth and learning and learning to be more impactful interpersonally. So not learning to manipulate others. So that's the spirit of which I'm going to be offering these charismatic tips to you today. So what are those charismatic leadership tactics or CLTs as they found in this study? So verbally, there are some strategies that people use that are causing others to see. Because remember, what we're talking about when we talk about charisma is perception. How others are seeing you and how others are feeling and experiencing you. And the nine verbal strategies or behaviors that people are using, I'm going to go through. So I'll start with the first thing. First one, use of metaphors. The use of metaphors when we speak allows others to see a vivid visual picture in their minds and creates a relatable understanding. Think about that for a minute. If I give you a metaphor and I relate something to something that you can see in your head versus just talk about it, you will connect with me more. So if I use examples like, well, it's like riding a bike. Think about the first time you ever rode a bike. That's what this is like. That's such a simple metaphor, right? So riding a bike is a metaphor. But when I start to describe things in metaphorical language, it has an emotional impact on the person listening to it. To go right into that, the second one, 
So the second verbal strategy is telling stories and anecdotes. So stories and anecdotes humanize, normalize, and create bridges and commonalities with people. If I tell you a story, or if I give you an example, that makes me more human, but it also helps me create an emotional connection with you. And I become more charismatic. If you notice, I mean, you can't watch a TEDx talk or a TED talk anymore without the person going into a story because we've been told how powerful storytelling is. So if I started out giving you a story about a leader who wanted to improve their charisma and what they did and how they did it, then my emotional connection with you would increase. The third verbal strategy, demonstrating moral conviction. If I'm passionate about something and I tell you why I'm passionate about something, that's contagious because my excitement and my level of energy and the way I talk with conviction, I really believe we should do this. I believe that everyone has the opportunity, blah, blah, right? Whatever it is that I really believe, if I express that with passion and conviction and I personalize that message and I refer to every one of you, and I say, well, every one of you can do this, et cetera. That type of verbal messaging is incredibly powerful. When you speak with conviction, you can hear my voice right now. What I'm trying to do is use the tone where I passionately believe something. That's persuasive language. And it's also speaking with conviction that gets people excited and drawn into you. The fourth verbal strategy that charismatic leaders or, or leaders who exhibit charismatic attributes employ is sharing the sentiments of the collective. What does that mean? Sharing the sentiments of the collective. What that means is what some politicians use very well when they say, I feel your pain. I understand where you're coming from. Showing that you understand the people you're talking to or the people you're dealing with and share their pain or views, or I've been there. You see in a lot of political ads, it's like, well, I've been there. I, you know, I was the the son of a of a working class father, or whatever it is that people use to say, hey, I'm with you. Those are examples of things that connect people with you because it's as if you understand and you've been there and you've walked in their shoes. And charismatic leaders use that sentiment of collective in their verbal behaviors when they're talking to people. Yeah, I've been there. So for example, you're talking to a group of first-time managers. Oh, wow, when I started out, you know, here was my experience. And you share a story, there you go, or a, an, or a metaphor of, yeah, I felt like every moment I was getting up off the bike and I was starting back on and I, I I didn't know how to ride a bike at that moment because I didn't know exactly what I was doing or whatever it is that you share some story, some example, some anecdote, and then that's personalizing your experience and sharing their experience, the people that you're 
trying to persuade or influence. The fifth verbal strategy is setting high expectations. So charismatic leaders put forth these large visions. So high expectations, setting goals that are visionary and future-oriented that others can imagine and be inspired by. So think about this. We will put a man on the moon. It's vision. I can get excited about that, right? When that was done. The perfect example of that is I have a dream. Martin Luther King. Vision, set high expectations. Here's what my dream is. We can get there, folks. That's setting high expectations. That draws people in emotionally, creates a connection, and it creates charisma. So the visionary piece is huge. If you have ever seen any videos of Steve Jobs when he was the chairman of Apple, and he would get up on stage. It was all about the future and what's coming and this visionary high expectations, what we're going to be able to do, what we can do. We can put this in our pocket, this device in our pocket and have all of these things at our fingertips. That's charismatic. That's magnetic. It draws people in. Number six out of nine, communicating confidence. So this one's pretty simple. We will put a man on the moon communicates confidence. Getting to the moon is pretty hard. Perhaps we can do it if we try hard. Does not communicate confidence. And people are drawn to charismatic leaders who communicate confidence. We will put a man on the moon. Failure is not an option. That type of language. Of course, this is all done, obviously, with measure and balance. I'm trying to give you examples that came out of this study. What type of verbal language constitutes charismatic leadership? Number seven, using contrast to distinguish yourself and your message. And what that means is when you're speaking, referring to how is what you're proposing or how is what you're doing or saying different than what they've had in the past or different than someone else before them or different than what they've heard. So making a differentiation, distinguishing what you're talking about as different. This isn't just the same old, same old. That's charismatic. It's like, I'm here to change things, shake things up. So that is also constitutes charismatic leadership, verbal strategy. Two more. Number eight. Now this one, you see this a lot in presentation skills, but this is one of the characteristics that came up in the charismatic leadership tactics is using lists of three to frame your messages. Here are the three things we must do is simple and easy to remember. People don't get lost trying to find your message. You know how when people are talking and they've got all these lists of things. You notice at the beginning, I said, I'm going to give you nine strategies and I keep giving you the number because if I didn't do that, I would just be talking, talking and there would be, okay, where where is the strategy? When are we ending? What's happening? I'm getting lost. This is getting too much. So you get people on track and that is influential and it also has people tracking with you. So that's number eight. And then finally, 
the ninth one, ninth verbal strategy that are charismatic leadership tactics or behaviors, as I call them, or verbal strategies are asking rhetorical questions. And what that is, is basically getting people to think by asking questions they can all relate to. And that makes your message accessible and relatable. Think about Socrates, who used to ask questions at the end of what he was talking about. It's like, well, and so what if we don't do this? Or what happens if we do this? Or what's in our, what's getting in our way? Why wouldn't we do this? Any rhetorical question, it goes along with that vision thing and that inspiring thing where people get motivated by, yeah, why wouldn't we do this? What's holding you back? Those types of things. So those were the nine verbal strategies. So the things that charismatic leaders say or the strategies that they employ when they're speaking. The nonverbal strategies, all right, which is interesting, is so I could be saying all of these things, but there are things that I'm doing nonverbally there's three things. I'm, just, I'm not going to go into them in detail. I'm just going to tell you what they are because I think that's helpful because it's to understand you know, how this all this package of charisma comes together using those nine verbal strategies and then these three nonverbal things. Use of body gestures, moving your hands and not standing stoically. I mean, I think about it. A lot of this has to do with communication. It has to do charisma. A lot of charisma comes from how we communicate with others, creating an emotional connection use of body gestures, taking up space, moving my hands, using a variety, number two, using a variety of facial expressions, smiling, not smiling, frowning, making a face when you're, when there's something bad, just having animated expressions on your face. Think about it. It's interesting. When I, when I was much younger in, I don't know, second grade, probably what I used to do is my parents had bought me this little record player. Yeah, it was a record player. <laughs> and when I lived in Greece, and so there wasn't a lot of television in Greece. When I was growing up, people didn't watch television a lot. And so what my parents bought me was this little record player that had these records of people narrating stories. And there was all, I mean, I would listen to fairy tales. I would listen to mythology and I would just listen to them because again, you know, living in Greece, we didn't have access to all the TV shows everybody was watching. So when people tell me about Gilligan's Island or tell me about the Brady Bunch, I didn't watch any of those shows until I was an adult and watch the reruns because living in Greece, they didn't have those shows. So I'm listening to records in second grade. And what was fascinating to me is by the third grade, I was in speech contests and I was winning speech contests. And the reason why is because I was listening to all these records. And what was really clear, remember, I'm just listening, I can't see, is that there was the third thing that's on here, nonverbal behaviors when speaking to others, which is interesting because this is put down as a nonverbal behavior, but to me, this is a verbal behavior, is animated voice tone using an animated voice tone. And when I was listening to those records, the voice tone was so, would move, it would not be in a monotone. And obviously they're playing all these characters. So it would go up and it would go down and it would change. And 
it would not be in one tone like this because you can't listen to a record. And if you've ever listened to any audible tapes, you know exactly what I mean. You can hear some narrators that read the book. How is what you are doing, proposing or saying? And you're like, oh my gosh, there's no way I can listen to this, this book. And that's the same thing when it comes to listening to people talk or listening to this podcast. If we speak in a monotone and don't use animation in our voice, there's no way we can make an emotional connection and get people excited about what we're saying. And it's interesting because they wrote this down as a nonverbal behavior, animated voice tone, whereas to me, that's a verbal as well. But anyway, after managers, so here's what happened in this study. After managers in the study participated in training in these areas, the managers increased their perceived charisma. So my question to you, how many of these behaviors that I just mentioned, the nine verbal strategies and the three other strategies that I just outlined, do you use when you interact with others as a leader? So let me go over them one more time. The nine verbal use of metaphors, telling stories and anecdotes, demonstrating moral conviction, sharing sentiments of the collective, I feel your pain, setting high expectations, number five, communicating confidence, number six, using contrast to distinguish yourself and your message, number seven, using lists of three to frame your messages, number eight, and asking rhetorical questions, number nine. And then the other three things I mentioned was using a variety of body gestures, two, use a variety of facial expressions, and three, using an animated voice tone rather than a monotone. So how can you start to use some of these things more regularly in your communication? Try adapting some of these behaviors in your interactions for the next two weeks. Just start using these more frequently. And if you need to read a book on storytelling or if you need to, to gather some more information, you can do that. But I think you already know, we already know how to do some of these things. And so just start being more intentional in your communication with others and those that you lead. And I'd be curious, I'd really be curious if you notice a difference in the way others respond to you. I bet you will. Two weeks. In two weeks, you'd be more charismatic. You will have developed more charisma. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Thanks for listening. And always remember this. Every single moment, you have a choice in what you say, what you do, and how you make people feel pause and make those choices wisely and intentionally because every single moment those choices are who you become as a leader see you next time